RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, here we go with another week of the only show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. And we're off to a roaring start off of the first true weekend, Labor Day weekend of college football, where both Kevin Rogers and I were able to score big. And now we add the NFL to the pod. Great to be with you. I am your somewhat capable host. He is a senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, Mr. Kevin Rogers. Good to be with you. Are, uh, are you shadow boxing over there in the corner? You ready to go with some NFL football to add to our college slate? How are things? Good. I mean, a lot better since we each went two and one. You know, if you went 0 and three out of the gate, you know, you're already digging yourself a <laughs> hole. But uh, it's nice to have a couple of good outright winners. You know, it's one thing that covers, but to get outright winners are nice. And now the NFL is back. And, you know, getting through this week one that's been highly anticipated through the last however many months since the schedule came out, I just think it's so tough this opening week because you know, you're analyzing the same matchups. Then once we kind of get going and we see what these teams are about, then you think it gets easier. But, but I do think this is a very tough week, though. Well, we uh, I, de- I definitely have to give you credit. We'll both take credit. As you mentioned, two outright underdog winners each for us. Uh, last week, you were able to come through with Maryland against Texas, a game that uh, obviously Maryland played with a lot of emotion after the the death of one of their teammates uh, during conditioning drills in May. They had a long weather delay. They came out of the weather delay with Texas and continued to play well and hang on for the victory. So back-to-back years, they've beaten the Longhorns. You also had Cincinnati against UCLA, and Cincinnati uh, did well uh, in a couple of in a couple of areas. They actually ran the ball pretty well, and they created turnovers against Chip Kelly. The Chip Kelly debut ends up being a sour one with the Bearcats win uh, for you. What I mean, what about that matchup? Because there's the American Athletic Conference that you and I always love to talk about. That's a big win for the AAC. I know UCLA is a little down, and but it's still Chip Kelly. It's still the Rose Bowl, and Cincinnati got the win. Yeah, it was a good win. They got down 10 nothing early and then rallied, and they ended up scoring the late touchdown to put it away. I mean, unfortunately, you look at it, like it's, it wasn't, I think, in the grand scheme of things, that big of an upset. Even though Cincinnati was getting 14, 15 points, that Josh Rosen's not there anymore, and Chip Kelly's got a whole bunch of new players. There are players suspended, and not to take away from the Bearcats, but UCLA, they're getting 30 points against Oklahoma this week. I mean, what does that tell you? They're getting 30, and FAU got 21. And FAU out of Conference USA, granted they won the conference last year, but UCLA is getting 30 this week. So, you know, I just think that UCLA, they got a a long way to go to kind of get back to what they were. And we just kind of realized that they weren't as good as we thought. And I guess we realized Cincinnati's not as bad as we thought. I mean, not to say the Bearcats are going to win the American, but I think that – UCLA just wasn't as good and just one note, you know, in the Maryland game that, you know, I, I just liked the, I thought the emotion was there with Maryland, you know, after their offensive lineman died and also the DJ Durkin thing. I think these players play better if they don't like the coach and he's not there. I, I really believe that. I love it. And for, yeah. And, and for Texas too, 
I mean, yeah, Texas is obviously a good team, but I mean, revenge game laying 14 on, on the road. I know it wasn't at College Park. It was at the Redskins Stadium, but it, it's still it's still asking a lot for that team to do that. And now they've lost to Maryland back-to-back years. I mean, that's a terrible start for Tom Herman. Yep, and, and you made those points last week about the Durkin thing may turn into a positive for Maryland, and you were right on that front. And again, Chip Kelly's got a true freshman, an 18-year-old trying to play quarterback. He's got a true freshman running back. And they had blown assignments, fumbles, interceptions. Uh, it, it, it may be rough for a little while for them in Westwood, and it may take him a year or two uh, to try to get that thing back on track. We'll see on that. On the two that I called as outright winners, again, I had FAU. And, I mean, was there a bigger no-show for the, for the weekend than what Florida Atlantic was at Oklahoma? I mean, that game was a first-round Mike Tyson knockout. It was over. Game started noon Eastern time. Kevin, the game was basically done at at twenty to one, about thirty or forty minutes of real time. They were down twenty one, twenty eight, nothing, and knocked out. Uh, and that surprised me with Devin Singletary, the outstanding running back. Uh, they have some speed receivers. I mean, they could get nothing going on offense. They got a punt blocked. I mean, what a no show from Florida Atlantic. So I took I took the uh, the loss there on that one. But I had two other victories that included Hawaii on Saturday night. And again, I, I, I came to this point years ago. Uh, coaches have talked about this. Analysts have talked about this. You start paying attention to this stuff. A team that has played a game playing against a team in college football that has not played a game, especially when Hawaii would be at home, how they were a two-touchdown underdog, I did not understand. I thought they would win the game outright. They did. Uh, their quarterback uh, ended up uh, having another big game uh, in, in this one in the run-and-shoot offense. Uh, they threw for over 400 yards on a Navy in the game and five more touchdowns. So it just it surprised me that having them having played a game which they won at Colorado State, Navy not having played a game that Navy was that big of a favorite in it, and it proved out to be correct. And then on Monday night, I also liked Virginia Tech. I thought they would keep it close, if not win the game. And Florida State stumbled around with a lot of distractions, the whole blackout thing, bringing Bobby Bowden back, first game for Willie Taggart, new offensive system, first game in a year for DeAndre Francois. And give Virginia Tech credit. They were very workmanlike. They were good on defense with their pass rush, and they won the game. And so the Hokies make me look good with an outright win. I know you're shaking your head. You're a knoll, and you're shaking your head about what happened with Florida State. I guess what I'll ask you is, is it panic time there? I don't think it is panic time, but there are a lot of people that are up in arms over how bad FSU looked at times Monday night. No, you can't You can't panic after one game. You can't. But there was definitely a lot of negatives that came out of that game. I mean, Virginia Tech went down that first drive and walked down the field and scored. And honestly – after that, I thought the defense played very well uh, following that first drive because the field goal kicked on the next drive was after an FSU fumble. I mean, Francois, I think, played as well as he could. I'd like him. He's obviously the best option they have. But, you know, you had a drop touchdown pass, which was a killer. Aguayo missed a field goal, which was a killer from 32 yards out. And, I mean, but my biggest issue still is that touchdown non-touchdown that they didn't challenge i Mm. don't understand for the life of me you're down 10 nothing okay you're not playing well you get this touchdown you're in this game you're down 10 7 you're in it like you can forget about the 10 nothing get the ball back maybe you take the lead or you tie it like you're in this game i thought on the first glance he got in the end zone and then after seeing the replay that he landed on the virginia tech defender 
why they're running up to the line. That never works. That does not work because somebody's going to be there. They're going to jump and it's going to be a false start. Why no assistant or why he didn't use his whistle to blow it, whatever he didn't do to try to say, stop, stop, stop. You know, let's challenge this play and see if we get the points. If for whatever reason he was down at the one, okay, so use a challenge, big deal. What are you saving the challenge for? Might as well use it. And from there, I knew it was going to go backwards. And they ended up getting a field goal. They had the block punt later, and that was just a killer. But also, just watching the offense, you know, like I, I hate this run-pass option thing where you're kind of handing the ball to the running back, you're really not doing it, and you're not really going anywhere. Everything's lateral. Like, move the ball up the field. Stop being so lateral with everything. And the offense stunk because it just didn't look good. I know Virginia Tech's a good team. I'm not going to take away from them. But it just looked bad. And after watching Miami on Sunday night, thinking, oh, mm. well, Florida State can't be any worse. Florida State was worse, and they were at home. <laughs> Voice of Kevin Rogers there. And then one more on that whole touchdown or not in the first half. They got the full start penalty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on the whole replay review process. How does the person that is upstairs that is the replay official not buzz down and say with all of that time and with the replays ESPN is showing the world, uh, we got to look at this and look at it more closely that that's a failure of the officiating and the replay review system that they had more time and and it's absolutely reviewable after the false start penalty you have not run another play so they could have reviewed whether it was a touchdown or not and they didn't do that with replay review um so that that was a bit puzzling and look Willie Willie Taggart had a bad first season at at USF where they were blown out early in his first season by McNeese State back about 6 7 years ago in his first year there uh, and they went on to have good things and and, and a 10-win season and a, and a couple of bowl wins under Willie Taggart after that. He went out to Oregon, inherited a bad Oregon program where Mark Helfrich had been fired after a four-win season, and they went 7-5 and five a year ago uh, with him at the helm and then won the bowl game after he had taken the Florida State job. One game does not your career make, but it certainly was a downer. And, and you got to credit Virginia Tech more. Bud Foster's been there for 30-plus years as a defensive coordinator. They had a great plan on defense. Uh, Florida State's got to find a way, obviously, Kevin, to block three guys. When it's a three-man pass rush, you got to block that better. But give Virginia Tech some credit on that win. All right, so as much as Florida State was a downer, is there another team that stood out, just real quick before we get to the college predictions here on uh, on Three Dog Thursday, was there another team that stood out real quick? You can have anybody uh, out, out in front of you from this past weekend, Labor Day weekend. Do you have a team? Well, I'll tell you, just because I spoke of them a second ago, I mean, who they played, but but LSU. I really didn't think that LSU would be as good as they were, as dominant as they were against Miami. And I think the biggest thing is just the quarterback play. As long as they get decent quarterback play, not great, but decent quarterback play, you know they have the running game, you know they have the defense. And Joe Burrow, who I feel like was the quarterback at Ohio State like five years ago, you know, and is still playing – like he's on the John Navarre plan, you know, like we're going we're gonna to play nine years of college. But I, I just think that they played very well. And, and, you know, they're a team in that SEC West where we know what Alabama is. Auburn had a really good win against Washington. And that, that SEC West where Texas A&M is a big test against Clemson this week, that LSU kind of feels like the forgotten team on that side. And that was a really good win neutral site game against the Miami team that started 10-0 and last year. So 
I mean, yeah, there were other teams that were impressive as well, but that one uh, was a bit surprising to me. We know LSU is always going to have NFL-caliber talent on the roster. Ed Orgeron is always an adventure as a coach. He was at Ole Miss. He was as the USC interim coach. I mean, when you burn all three of your timeouts before the first quarter is over with, <laughs> it's some of it you just shake your head at how they have to overcome their own coaching. But they were able to do that and get that uh, and get that victory. And the SEC West strong with Alabama throttling Louisville on a neutral field. Auburn beats Washington. Had to come back to do it there in the fourth quarter in Atlanta. But they beat Washington on a neutral field. Uh, Ole Miss beats Texas Tech in Houston on a neutral field. And LSU gets the win in Dallas on a neutral field. Pretty strong for the SEC West uh, this weekend. I, I will make mention that a little bit later on in the show, Mike North will be here, legendary Chicago broadcaster, my former colleague with Fox Sports Radio. Mike's got great perspective on everything in the Midwest, and he'll probably want to talk some Big Ten. There are some Big Ten teams uh, like Penn State, like Michigan State, who we'll talk more about here in a few minutes, uh, like Michigan that did not exactly look good. Yes, Wisconsin did. Yes, Ohio State did. But there were some Big Ten teams that didn't look nearly as good as some of the SEC teams uh, from this past weekend. It is Three Dog Thursday. We're going to each make two between Kevin and I. We're each going to make three underdog predictions in combination of college and the NFL. So that's coming up in a couple of moments. We want to tell you folks, though, that Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats, which is an online event ticket marketplace New and out there for fans of live entertainment, game experiences, things that last a lifetime. And so uh, you fans, while you're trying to figure out who your underdogs are this week, can hit those picks in person and attend your favorite NFL or college football game of your choice. Thanks to Vivid Seats, they have great prices, easy purchasing experience. And with the football season back in full swing, you can go to VividSeats.com or download uh, their app uh, just by what we're telling you here, use the promo code 3DOG, the number 3 in DOG, 3DOG, from 3DOG Thursday. And if you're a new customer, that 3DOG promo will take you 10% more off of your offer with Vivid Seats. Again, go check out all of the selections, sporting events, concerts, any live entertainment, in particular for us, though, football games, college and the NFL. They're on VividSeats.com and the Vivid Seats app. The promo code 3DOG is good through September. 10% more off of your order with the promo code 3DOG. So remember that at the checkout. Download the app. They'll help you get your tickets to your favorite events from the NFL, college football, concerts, shows. You can be cheering on those underdog picks in person with the promo code 3DOG from Vivid Seats, vividseats.com, and the Vivid Seats app. All right, so Kevin, we've got all of that out of the way. We're ready to look at this week's slate of games. Not a tremendous one. Yes, you've got Clemson and Texas A&M, USC and Stanford in the the Pac-12, some of the SEC games like Georgia and South Carolina early on in the year. So with all the games that are out there, what do you want to hone in on uh, for a college football underdog to start us off, sir? I'm going to go with the Arizona Wildcats. They're going to Houston. Kevin Sumlin making his anticipated return there. His job two jobs ago as the man for the Cougars before he went to Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel, and then it all fell apart. And now he's the head man in Arizona. Now, they had a very disappointing week one performance against BYU. They were laying 11 and a half against BYU and lost the game outright. And they, were, they, they scored 13 points in the fourth quarter to make it look even closer. Khalil Tate who is, uh, I guess, a dark horse Heisman candidate who can run the ball very well as a quarterback, didn't do much. I think he had 12 yards rushing in the game. 
Now, they're going to Houston where they're getting four points. And the Cougars, they beat Rice, and they didn't really travel because Rice is you know, in the city. But uh, they had to come back to beat Rice. They scored a ton of points on them, but they didn't cover as 25-point favorites. And I just think now you know, the, the debut is out of the way. Arizona goes on the road. They go from a double-digit favorite to now getting a few points. And nobody can tell me. It's like with the Maryland thing, with the motions. Nobody can tell me someone is not looking forward to this game, okay? He used to coach at Houston. You want to win that game, all right? And Houston is a quality team. They have a new quarterback who played well last week. But I just think that Khalil Tate will play better coming up this week. And even though it's an early kickoff there in Houston, I think that you're getting some value with Arizona now as a short dog. Everyone's kind of down on them after their opening week loss. I think they come back and, and they win this game against Houston. Like that, a Pac-12 pick again. Ed Oliver from Texas, uh, from Houston is one of the best defensive players, defensive linemen that you don't know about because he doesn't play at a big, big, big program. But watch out for him. And yeah, you know, you know, someone's teams. We always joke about this. If they would, if they would hold the national championship in the college football playoff in September and October, his his teams are always going to be great early on in the year. So let's see if they uh, if they get that win on the road against Houston in that early matchup. I'm going to go with an early game. I'm going to stick with an American. Con- conference a team that is playing host to an ACC team in this case and I'm going to go with the USF Bulls I am based here in West Central Florida in the Tampa St. Pete area USF a week ago was good not great against Elon they built a 31 nothing lead and then in the fourth quarter Elon scored a couple of times and made the score look better at 34 14 Bulls playing host to Georgia Tech always dangerous with that triple option offense pop quiz Kevin Rogers Georgia Tech's opener with Alcorn State how many Georgia Tech players had a rushing attempt last week how many how many Yellow Jackets had a carry last week in the opening game against Alcorn State your guess would be 11 11 is a great guess it was 10 that is amazing that that many guys can touch the ball when you start thinking about how many running backs and fullbacks do you have they had 10 guys that touched the ball uh Taquan Marshall is their quarterback well Marshall uh, uh dual threat at a thousand yards rushing last season can throw it a little bit but he's more of a running quarterback uh, for them, for USF, pretty good defense in this game, but they better be ready for the triple option. I think they will be. Blake Barnett, the transfer quarterback, threw three touchdowns in the Elon game last week. Uh, they've got a couple of good receivers do the Bulls. Always seems like they've got good receiving talent. I think USF at home in this noon game will find a way to win. It surprises me that they are the three-and-a-half-point underdog. I thought like Pickham or maybe the Bulls favored by a point or two. I'll take USF against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets out of the ACC as as uh, as one of my underdogs. All right, uh, another one because you're only going to go one college underdog and you're going to come back and join us for two NFL underdogs later on in the show, Kevin. I like Arizona State out west. You like Arizona. I like Arizona State in this matchup with Michigan State. Herm Edwards won his debut. They were supposed to win against Texas San Antonio. They did. Michigan State escaped with that wild game last week with Appalachia, or in their case, I'm sorry, Michigan State escaped with Utah State, a wild game on Friday night where they had to come back and score in the final two minutes of the game to take the lead after uh, Utah State led it by one late in the game. Uh, Michigan State's quarterback, Brian Lewerke, is, I believe how you say the name, Lewerke, is from the Phoenix area, kind of a homecoming for him. Manny Wilkins, good quarterback for Arizona State, had three touchdowns in their game last week. I just, I like the Sun Devils here at home. 
uh, in this matchup with Michigan State. What about the Spartans as, as one of the teams in the Big Ten that struggled last week to barely win? Did that say anything to you one way or the other that they struggled that much and won? Or is it a, is it a red flag maybe that they struggled that much in the first place, Kevin? I mean, I look as a red flag, you know. Uh, you know, they're big favorites. They didn't cover and now they're going on the road. I mean, you'd expect them to be a little more focused now. I just find it funny that Chip Kelly lost his debut, Kevin Sumlin lost his debut, and Herm Edwards rolled in his debut. Very true. And you, what do you play for? You play to win the game. And Herman won the game last week, and we'll see if it continues uh, with, a, uh, with a definite talent there at Arizona State. Uh, Nikhil Henry is an outstanding receiver, may very well be an NFL receiver. I, I was at Sun Devil Stadium a year ago and saw firsthand their upset of Washington. That place can rock. Let's see if it's rocking for the late night Saturday night game, Michigan State and uh, Arizona State. I know you and I have not taken for underdog purposes uh, a, a a pick in the Clemson Texas A and M game. I know that's going to be a big one for Jimbo Fisher. National television will be there uh, for that one. We get a, you know Clemson had an easy game and they're uh, in their opener. Now they are a twelve point favorite against A and M, who had an easy game also at home with Northwestern State. That's going to be the marquee game. And and by the way, when we're talking about coaches on the hot seat right away, Jimbo Fisher's team better look good. If they don't look good and get wiped out in this game. I'm not, I'm not saying anything's going to happen to him in the first year or the second year, but you're paying him all that money to win the big games, right, Kevin? And this is a big game, certainly on Saturday night in that matchup. Yeah, I mean, as long as the check clears, he'll be fine, I'm sure. <laughs> Kelly Bryant, the coach, the quarterback of Clemson, Dabo Sweeney and company. Clemson, of course, has been in the college football playoff three years in a row. Let's see what they have for Texas A&M uh, coming up. All right, you got some NFL predictions to make with me a little bit later on in the program, sir? I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. I think we got some NFL football that we'll be talking to Kevin about a little bit later on the show. Kevin, stand by. Much more on the way as we continue NFL weekend coming up as well. It is Three Dog Thursday. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. I have been looking forward to this ever since I saw the phrase Khalil Mack traded to the Chicago Bears. Mike North is with me on Three Dog Thursday. Full disclosure, Michael North and I used to spend Saturday nights talking to each other for a few minutes as he was getting done with his shift on Fox Sports Radio, and I was about to crank up nationally on Fox Sports Radio. My friend, it has been a little while. It has been far too long. How in the world is Mr. North to North? I'm, listen, I couldn't be better retired uh, but still working. I mean, it's one of those deals where you're an independent contractor. I've always been that way. Uh, but I had 25 great years on the radio. It's great to get up when I want, great to do what I want. Uh, a lot of guys don't have the luxury. I, I had a, I made enough money in the business to to uh, 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 supplement my, myself for a long time, made some good deals. My wife bought Starbucks back in the Late 80s, uh, so everything's good, which I, I remember, uh, you remember Jeff Schwartz, he said to her, why would you buy stock? It was just taken off, starting to go, and she goes, he'd go, what, in a coffee company? Yeah, he goes, I'm gonna, she goes, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and uh, the next thing you know, I'm drinking three or four of them in the morning. There you go. But it's all good, everything's been good, and you sound great. 
Well, thank you for that. All right, so let's get to it. Khalil Mack, give me some perspective. You are there in the Chicagoland area. How nuts are they going for this trade and the buildup to the start of the season now in this first game with the Packers because Mack is in the fold? First of all, I don't need you to say Chicago. I don't need your insults, okay? I understand what you're trying to do. Okay, number one. Anyway, to be honest with you, I broke the story in Chicago, and I'll tell you why. I was the only one awake. Um, it was like it hit about, I'm looking, I'm watching the TV. Uh, it's about 5, 5.30, quarter to 6 in the morning. It's a Saturday. Nothing going on. Everybody's sleeping. Nobody's getting up for work. All the broadcasters I know are sleeping. So I see it on the on the crawl. Chicago Bears acquire Khalil Mack as per Adam Schefter. So he basically broke the story. But I put it out on Twitter, and then everybody started waking up to it. So um, I was shocked. It's not like the Bears to do something like this. Uh, Ryan Pace wants to put an identity on this defense. I was puzzled by the fact that this is a move that usually – happens with a team that's one or two players away. We're more than that. But I think he sees something in the North division uh, with defense that says, if I can pick up a stud, we can be even a better defense than I think we were last year, and I think we can improve a lot. I think the problem's going to be on the other side of the ball, but Khalil Mix put a new attitude in things. And, and, you know, for people, TJ, who are saying, why would somebody uh, – spent that much on a defensive player. I would remind them of a guy named Reggie White back in 1993 who then signed for the astronomical amount, and we're talking 25 years ago, of 17 million bucks, which is as much as this guy signing for if you proactivate that situation. And I also remember a guy named Wilbur Marshall who left the Chicago Bears, cut the Bears team's heart out, like Khalil Mack is doing to the Raiders. And then Wilbur Marshall went to Washington and he won a Super Bowl. Well, and and you can keep this, uh, I mean, this is what we like about you. Keep it in the realm of in that city, does it resonate? I mean, obviously the Cubs won a World Series a couple of years ago. Historic thing. Jordan and his Bulls were so dominant in the 90s. Does a move, this is not winning a championship, but does a move like this really resonate with Chicago sports fans? Has it resonated this week? Yeah. I I am all for it on top of that. Usually I'm very pessimistic about the Bears because they've made such horrible business decisions and personnel decisions in the past. I've been a Bear fan for 55 years. So I know the good, I know the bad, and the very ugly. This one here woke me up. It was like cold water in the face. I believe everybody's on board with this decision. I'm tired of, uh, you know, oh, we're going to get two first-round picks. Good luck to Oakland. The thing that puzzles me is people are saying they're not going for it right away. Well, and then I heard somebody else say Khalil Mack in three years will have this defense where he wants. He's going to be 31. That's a lot of football. He's going to be a little bit older. I, I would hope to God they can make a little noise this year. Maybe there's always new teams in the playoffs. They surprise people. They have the fourth quarterback in the division, though, and it's not like it's 1960, 1965 anymore where defenses ran the thing. It's <laughs> offense, so that's where the Bears are short. No doubt. All right, and so you are, you're a great one to ask this as we talk to Mike North again here, Chicago sports radio legend. They're making an autobiographical movie about his life. I've, I've again, yeah. had the opportunity to work with him in the past with Fox Sports Radio. Does a great job in the Chicago area. Uh, again, bearsroom.com is the website where you can find him talking 
talking uh, Bears. You and I go back, all right? Lawrence yeah. Taylor changed the game. Lawrence Taylor yeah. changed the game from the standpoint that Joe Gibbs and others said, we can't just block him with a left tackle. We've got to have a tight end over there and or a running back. We've basically got to have two, maybe even three people account for him. Lawrence Taylor is in a category of his own. He's in the Hall of Fame as a pass rusher, kind of hybrid linebacker defensive end. So when everybody's going crazy talking about Khalil Mack, I remind them of 30-plus years ago Lawrence Taylor, Mike North. What about it? I agree. Just like I brought up Reggie White. Just like I brought up Wilbur Marshall. Look, when you get a superstar defensive player, you can pretend that one guy isn't going to matter. And I agree. I mean, because you know what? He's not going to play for the other 10 guys talking about Mac. And I understand that last year the Raiders weren't all that, even with him on the team. Uh, But you can't do it by yourself. But what this does is it changes the culture. Just like Taylor changed the culture, the thing with Taylor is they brought him up through the system. Going out and getting somebody and actually taking them from somebody in his prime. And here's what I understand. The, the, the amazing part, TJ, is that I'm hearing that Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden didn't even know about it. Uh, that this was a complete surprise to him. So, uh, you know, I could think of only one other organization that's been run worse than the Bears in the last 30, 35 years. And we made a deal with them the other day. <laughs> the, yeah, Oakland, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Oakland, Las Vegas, outer space uh, Raiders. So is the implication there that Mark Davis was as much behind this as McKenzie was and that Mark Davis wanted it because Gruden wanted it? And that's, I mean, they get they get a lot back in return. They did get a couple of number one picks and a couple of other right. draft picks in return. And they don't pay a defensive player a ton of money, but... Somehow, if Khalil, if Khalil Mack's making big plays and big sacks for the Bears for this year, and the Raiders are bad on defense, there are going to be a lot of people scratching well, their head, uh, scratching their I'll head on that. I'll give you this: you know JT the Brick. He's a good guy out of Las Vegas. He puts out on. He called me, uh, excuse me, texted me, and he said, "Mike, I got to know something. Did you know anything about this deal? And did anybody in Chicago know anything about this deal?" Which I thought was odd. Because he never, he usually calls me or I'll right, come right. on the show. And this was two days after the deal. And the perception in Raiderland is that Reggie McKenzie knew about this, and McKenzie swears that he didn't know anything, and JT knows him. And so he asked me, Mike, nobody could nail the deal down in Oakland. Did anybody know this was coming in Chicago? I go, absolutely not. This was an above. Sounds like Mark Davis. Sounds like maybe an agent type of situation. I believe Reggie McKenzie because the Chicago media and then the Bears would have leaked something. Something would have happened. Nobody got that leak. When when you heard it, when I saw it on the draw, that was the first time anybody in Chicago saw it. Well, supposedly, so, as the I agree st- with you, sure. but not knowing. Sure, and as the story um, goes, as we talk with Mike North, as the story goes, the Browns, believe it or not, were heavy on, in on it, and there's only a few teams that had the cap room to take on a $25 million-plus hit for 2018 salary cap to give him the guaranteed money. The Browns were one of those teams. The Bears were one of those teams. So it is interesting that, that Chicago comes up with it. All right, one more on this, then I want to we move on to a couple more stuff. Sure, and maybe the Jets. We heard about the Jets, right. too, that were involved in it. I, I'll just say this to you. I can't believe the Bears got him. I can't. But Period. they found a way. They made, they made yep. the trade. All right, so with Trubisky in his second year, uh, with a new coach, 
in this instance. What's the expectation now in and around there? What does Bear fan think? You talk to them all the time. What do you think? What is the realistic expectation for the Bears? I think under six, I think maybe seven wins. They picked up Mac, but he can't score points. He can try. But uh, still, we got a long way to go. They didn't play their starters at all. They treated Trubisky and the 22 other 21 starters like they were New England. This is a team with a new coach, with a new offense. We haven't seen Allen Robinson play yet. We haven't seen any of the receivers play yet. The receivers total have 326 plays in their whole National Football League career. Robinson blew a tire last year, only had one catch. Uh, they're run heavy. I'd like to see him run the ball, but then they'd be like John Fox then. But John Fox didn't have a lot of weapons. I think Trubisky is green still. He's only played 12 games in his career, only played 13 in college. Uh, that's 25 games total. Watson played 40 alone at Clemson. So uh, I'm very pessimistic about that. But there's no doubt an attitude and culture change happened with that pickup, and maybe that could carry him a little bit. Well, let's see what happens. Again, they open up with uh, with the Packers, uh, that legendary rivalry at Lambeau Sunday night football. So we'll see how the Bears do um, for this season. Okay, so I got to have fun with, with my man Mike North because we would always go back and forth with college football. You know, I'm based in the South. You know, you're you're yeah. based in. You know where I'm going with this. You're based in the Upper Midwest in Chicago. We saw some SEC teams flex their muscle last weekend on neutral fields. Yes, Wisconsin was good at home. Yes, Ohio State was good at home. But goodness gracious, heart attack game for Michigan State, heart attack game for Penn State. What happened to Michigan at Notre Dame? What's going on with the Big Ten? Give me some Big Ten insight, you Big well, Ten homer. You give me, you give, me, give me some. Go, go. I will tell you this, and TJ and I had some famous blow-ups uh, over this. I, I will tell you this, Alabama uh, you know, is, is superior, there's no doubt. But I also think they've carried the rest of the SEC. I've always thought the Big Ten was deeper. But that being said, and I've always thought the Big Ten passed even better than the SEC, not a passing conference. I really, you know, I like to see somebody knock off Alabama. I think it's embarrassing that the SEC has no teams that can even step up to them. I'd like to see some of these big stud players take a challenge from another school and go somewhere else. Sometimes you see it with Auburn. Sometimes, once in a while, Mississippi State comes out of nowhere. But there's no doubt the SEC is Alabama. I think they're far superior to anybody else. As far as everybody else goes, the Big Ten is always going to be represented. But Notre Dame took it to them. Brian Kelly uh, put the aura of Jim Carbaugh away, I think. Uh, You know, I see some other disturbing things, not just in the Big Ten or in the SEC. Willie Taggart's the luckiest man on earth. Uh, I, I watched him coach. I watched him coach the other night. I want to coach now. I want to get back into coaching uh, because I think I can make a difference. My God. Um, but but I really loved our banter. The SEC had a good week last week. I'd like to see the whole season. You see what happens during the bowl games. One year the Big Ten does well. The next year the SEC does well. But there's no question in my mind in Alabama is a superior football team oh, yeah. over there. Hey, in terms of Michigan, has Harbaugh, I mean, at this point now, they haven't won. He hasn't even won the division. He hasn't even been in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, is he another key loss or two away from Michigan fan turning completely sour on the Harbaugh thing because he hasn't won the big games? No, but I would remind people. 
Brady Hoke's record right now is just as good as Harbaugh's at this time. How about that? So that 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 to me is not what they paid for. But he was a Michigan man, as was Hoke. But Hoke was gruff. Hoke was this. Hoke was that. He was a big dumb lineman. You know what I mean? Here comes the genius. Guess what? You're playing Notre Dame, pal. Notre Dame, people can say whatever they want about Notre Dame playing the service academies. Those teams make the rankings now, too. Notre Dame knows that may, they may never win another national championship, but they do know this. They're on NBC, so they put together a pretty good schedule. And when they kick off against Michigan and beat them like that, you can be hopeful as a Notre Dame fan. They stand alone. They're, as big, they're bigger than Alabama, and I'll tell you why, Teach. Alabama could never get away with having their own network. No, nobody would care if Alabama was on every week. It's more about Alabama and the SEC. Notre Dame is a standalone franchise. And I'll be honest with you, Brian Kelly, for the first time, for the first time, think about this, because they've been in the national championship. I said this guy could coach, because he thoroughly outcoached Harbaugh last week. He did. I, I do recall that uh, Notre Dame and Brian Kelly had a crack at uh, Alabama. How did that work out in the uh, in the national yeah. championship? I do recall yeah, that. Alabama, I mean, look, I, I, they're just a story program. That's all I'm saying. And it's good to see them win. And they don't they don't schedule right. Uh, you know, we do, I'm getting ready for the SEC with their uh, Winston Churchill University game. The Girl Scouts, all the rest. But yeah, still, you know, the I mean, Reed look, Peter, but Mike, uh, but Mike you, we, I mean, yeah, Alabama, yeah. Alabama hasn't shied away from beginning the year with USC like they did a couple of years ago. They'll play West Virginia at the beginning of the year. They played Louisville this year, which is a little... Was that USC without Pete Carroll? That was USC without Pete Carroll, but they still scheduled no, them. They, they still played them. I mean, uh, it, I mean, look, LSU played Miami. In uh, in Dallas and beat and, them. And I don't I'll know. Th- tell you something. Mark Rick. I saw Mark Rick on TV. I knew he was going to lose just by the way he was talking. <laughs> they don't, they, he was that. That should sum it up. He said I should have never scheduled this game. That's all I need to hear about Mark Rick. No wonder you've always come up empty-handed. Wow. You know what I mean? He was scared before he was going in. I saw him on TV saying it. Another moment or two with Mike North here. I I love his insight. So we do underdog predictions on this podcast, on this Three Dog Thursday podcast. Do you have one that jumps out this weekend, college or pro? Maybe you have a couple of them. Do you have an underdog that you really like for this weekend and why? What do you got? I'll give you the game that I like. Give me one. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to be doubted because, uh, you know, Nick Foles is going to be starting. I don't think what I saw last year in the playoffs was a mirage. I'm going with Philadelphia minus the one against a very dangerous Atlanta team. And uh, you know what? I just think that uh, Peterson has really got an attitude to him. I think he, he's become a little bit full of himself from what I've heard on press conferences, but he seems to know what he's got. And you know what? If Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback of the first game, and people think that's a disadvantage, the name is Philadelphia in the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, Foles played very well, obviously, uh, in the playoffs uh, in that uh, in that matchup. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, I get, you got USC at Stanford this weekend, and USC getting points, speaking of the Trojans, on the road in that I like, one. I like, I like, and I, I did look at that game. Stanford still likes, Shaw likes to run the football too much. He really does. I know USC lost their quarterback and stuff like that. They're getting points. People are expecting them to be at a weak point. I like USC to cover. How about that? All right, so there's an underdog for you. Again, plug away. I think so, even though they're – even though people think, well, they got a, a new quarterback, they got to adjust. 
they got a lot of beef at USC, and they're recruiting better over there. And they always have great skill players, NFL caliber skill players. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. All right, plug away again for all of your stuff and where we can find you. Go. All right. I got a movie coming out in late 2020. Uh, Jeremy Morrison's writing the screenplay. Adam Rifkin's going to be directing it, from what I understand. I also am, I, I, I do a movie podcast. You can go to Mike at the Movies 1 on Twitter. I do a, a classic movie podcast. Maybe I'll have TJ on to talk about great uh, sheriffs. Got, you know, Walking Tall, Buford Bolson, of course, Jackie Gleason, Cannonball, two of my favorite Southern sh- sheriffs of all time. Uh, I also get Vegas scores and odds where I make handicap predictions where I just gave a prediction out. Uh, but I'll, you can also go there. I'll also be at BearsBarroom.com with some, uh, on a Friday morning show where I'll give uh, TJ, all the P- TJ podcast listeners, three or four big games to win. I'm 4-1 and one on that. That's 80%. It's all been college brought some pros this week. How about I'm that? I'm I love, uh, you're I'm everywhere. You're everywhere. You got to rest up. Bearsroom.com. I love it. If you're a Bears fan, and we'll see how Khalil Mack does. Uh, is he going to get after Aaron Rodgers again? He's only is been there the this story week. Of the week for you. Uh, it, well, yeah, I, I would think that most eyeballs will be on that on Sunday night for sure to see how good is he Absolutely. with no preseason as of yet, no no practice games, no nothing. What does he look like? Can he play 30 plays, 40 plays against the Packers? Let's find out. Can I give you a little tip, Pete, sure, for, all your, for all your listeners? I'm going to just run over some coaches that beat Green Bay their first game, okay? Go. Sometimes with the first game of the season. Lovey Smith, mm-hmm. John Fox. Mark Trussman, okay. So it's not always a good a good thing to win your first game and beat it against Green Bay because when you beat Green Bay, hey, the Bears are going to pull out some surprises. They're going to pull out some surprises, and one of the surprise and one of the surprises is going to be their starters. They didn't play at all during the preseason. I thought they had a light schedule, and boy, it's going to be really good to see if they win that game. The Hounds will be up, but if they lose to Green Bay, which right now. Everybody thinks they will, but it's the National Football League. If they lose to Green Bay, Nagy starts off on the wrong foot because of how they treat a preseason. Mm, maybe. All right, it'll be a lot of fun to watch it all happen. Again, bearsroom.com. Follow him on you Twitter. You the mustache. No I, no, I do not. I, I, I Please. My wife and facial hair, no. No way. Uh, Bears room. You never had a mustache? <laughs> I, had, I had the beard like one summer that you saw me, I think, on a picture. All right, not anymore. Not anymore. Bearsroom.com, north to yes. north on Twitter, and the movie coming yes. out as well. I always love the yes. insight, talking Midwest, Big Ten, Bears, whatever, with Mike North. You're a treat, partner. I love it. I love you, brother. As we do roll on on this edition of Three Dog Thursday, it is my pleasure to bring on here to the program. I always love talking it over with this guy, whether it's in this format. He and I will crank it up soon enough talking the college football playoff on that podcast as well. He does a great job with Service Academy football. He is Price Atkinson from Yards and Stripes because we've got some relevant Service Academy football action coming this week. First, it is great to be with you uh, here once again with the college football season here. Are you as amped as all of us are that this has all gotten underway? Well, Mr. Reeves, it's always a pleasure to join Three Dog Thursday and join you on whatever medium we are talking college football. I appreciate you having me to talk some yards and stripes, but specifically Service Academy football. And to answer your question, yes, I'm thrilled, I'm jacked, I'm everything that an excited 
college football loving dude would be right now after week one and i'm thirsting for more in week two okay so i'll I'll piggyback off of that if i said to you give me a a team that stood out the most to you last week uh last weekend you can go across the board from alabama to notre dame to auburn winning that game with washington (laughs) on and on is there one that really stood out and why Wow, good question. Um, I would probably say that I was incredibly impressed with Auburn because I thought that Washington, and I still think, I can't stray from what I predicted. I thought Washington was a playoff team. It would make the college football playoff. They They obviously could not get it done. I thought they, in a lot of ways, outplayed Auburn on the field, but the, just the turnovers got them. Um, that was a surprise. How about Kyler Murray against FAU? Mm. I, thought, I thought Kyler Murray looked outstanding and blasting FAU into outer space, 63-14. to 14. I mean, he basically plays what I have. He's 9 of 11, 209 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I was incredibly impressed by what I saw specifically out of him. Um, another team that I was really impressed with, I know they only won the game 24-17, to 17, but Notre Dame, because they are probably not going to face a defense as good as what they saw in Michigan all season outside of maybe Stanford. I was incredibly impressed with the way Notre Dame came out in that game with a purpose, with a mission, just beating the fighting Jim Harbaugh's into a lowly corner. I was really impressed by that Notre Dame team with what they did because they have not been relevant in a couple seasons. I I was that that was a surprising result for me, Mr. Reeves. How about that? Yeah, and there's uh, a myriad of games throughout the season that are going to make you uh, scratch your head and take a look at it and say, "Wow, what happened with that?" or "Why did this yeah. happen?" And we just got it all underway. All right, so well, what you specialize in is Service Academy football, and you mentioned FAU. And, and before you came on earlier in the show with Kevin Rogers, I had them on Three Dog Thursday last week. I likened it to like a first-round Mike Tyson knockout back in the day where uh, they were KO'd about a half hour of real time into that game with Oklahoma. So now in your wheelhouse, Air Force travels to FAU. I mean, how much do we read into that Oklahoma's that good and that's what happened to FAU? Or does Air Force now maybe have a better chance than we thought they had because Florida Atlantic may not be as good as we thought they were? Well, I think Air Force has got a chance, and I think that Florida Atlantic is not as good as a lot of people thought they were. One of the most disturbing things, if your baby Kiff, and he's talked about it this week, is the tackling. And was 10 starters returning that they had back this year to, to tackle as poorly, as awful as they were on Saturday against Oklahoma. And I know it's Oklahoma. They're a top 10 team, but they were bad. And this is an Air Force team coming in that this will only be their third ever game in the state of Florida, if you can believe that. Only their third game ever. They've never won a game in the state of Florida. Arion Worthman is the senior quarterback and he's 10-6 as the starter. But Isaiah Sanders is a local product out of Palmer Ridge High School there in the greater Colorado Springs area. They are likely going to be making a change at quarterback to Sanders. Both will play. But I think Sanders, it, when he has played, in spanning back to late last season and last Saturday against Stony Brook, who they shut out 38 to nothing, the offense looks different. I mean, it operates at a different level. Although Sanders can't pass and throw the ball like Worthman can, there is no question yards per play, the drives Sanders is in on compared to Worthman, they are, I think, about 
two yards, maybe three yards better per play, and they have better results in terms of uh, scoring at the end of those drives. So that's something to watch as they go to FAU. They're right now the last I've seen giving nine, ten and a, ten points FAU. I just think going all the way across the country, it's going to be a little bit of a tall order. I think the fighting Kips are going to come out and they're going to be ticked off. You know, we really don't know how good this Troy Calhoun team is. Now, traditionally, when they've had a poor season like they did last year in five and seven, they bounce back with a double digit winning season. That just, we don't know if they are that good yet. Well, uh, I mean, you know, back to the game last week with Oklahoma, not only could they not tackle, but Devin Singletary was never a factor, the running yeah. back in that game. They want to start their, you know, their speed demon fast offense goes in and around Singletary. <laughs> Does yep. Air Force have hope that they can contain him in a home game in Boca Raton to a degree? They were last in the country. Now, again, right now we have nothing to go on because they played Stony Brook. They only allowed 75 yards, 30 of which were rushing yards. I mean, so they only gave up four first downs. But again, that's this is an FCS team. I know Stony Brook made the FCS playoffs last year. But it's not Oklahoma. This is not FAU. This is a different. This is a different dog. Now, Florida uh, uh, Air Force's defensive line is better than they were a year ago. But a year ago, they gave up a nation's worst 5.9 yards per carry. I mean, think about that, TJ. Almost mm. <laughs> six yards every time a team ran the ball, they gave up a six-yard carry. They're definitely a lot better defensively this year. Can they keep Singletary contained? You know as well as I do, the thing about this when you have these matchups is you've got to take care of the football, number one, when you go on the road and you're a service academy team because of the option style and the keep away you play. But, boy, these big plays, I mean, the athletes that the FAU has that just Air Force cannot trot out, Norkid, Army, and Navy. But at the same time, you see a Navy team last year that you mentioned blasting FAU out of the sky like Oklahoma did last week. That's what Navy did in that season opener down there last year. So I, Air Force is an incredibly well-coached team. They're better on defense this year. We just don't know how much better they are, not just on defense, but all around because the sample size of, of Stony Brook, 38 to nothing, doesn't tell you much. Voice of Price Atkinson, again, his program is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. You can find out more about that at yardsandstripes.com. Also, vsporto.com houses that show as well. Follow it on social media. Follow him on social media at Yards and Stripes. Uh, as well on Twitter and on Facebook. There's no better resource when we talk Service Academy football than what Price Atkinson is. So I bring him on this program for a couple of different reasons. All right, so there's another one, and that has to do with the Navy Midshipmen. Now, you're already, way too kind. Yeah, well, thank you. But <laughs> your Navy Midshipmen last week were in Hawaii. Uh, I took Hawaii on Three Dog Thursday, and the rationale that I gave then, I've already talked about it in the first segment of this show, I'm giving it again here, is when you have a team that has already played a game, which Hawaii had, they beat Colorado State, they're now yep. playing a team that hasn't played yet, in college football, you're at an advantage. Navy then had to go to Hawaii to play the game. I just, I loved Hawaii in that specific spot for those reasons. And then Cole yeah. McDonald, the quarterback, played well. So uh, let's talk about that game first of all. What did we learn? What do we know? We, we know Navy struggled to stop the pass in that game. What else coming out of that loss for the midshipmen? Well, one thing that we learned is that they're going to have another heavy dose of what they saw uh, on last weekend from Hawaii that Memphis is bringing to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium on Saturday. That's one thing we learned. 
We also learned that the going all the way out there uh, and then having to come back home, that is a cruel joke that the American Athletic Conference is playing on Navy because originally Navy had wanted to have – they right now, uh, you go to Hawaii – you have Memphis this weekend, obviously, and you have Lehigh coming to Annapolis the following weekend. Navy had originally wanted Lehigh to be that game right after uh, going to Hawaii. The AAC schedule maker said no, so they slapped Memphis right there, the preseason pick in the Western Division. But Navy is licking its wounds. They didn't get back to Annapolis. Uh, the mids didn't until 8 a.m., almost 9 a.m. on Monday morning. You know as well as I do, you're not going to the weight room or your dorm room to sleep. You're going straight to class. If you're the midshipman, uh, this is going to be a tight turnaround, TJ. This is going to be tough. Um, one thing we did learn is that Navy uh, defensive and that secondary, uh, they just absolutely got torched, but they're going to have to get over it quickly. I mean, Cole McDonald right now we saw against uh, Colorado State was no joke. This was video game style numbers. I mean, 28 to nothing before you could blink, TJ. Uh, there was They scored on their first six possessions. I mean, it, looked, it felt like Cole, Cole McDonald was playing Madden. <laughs> um, on Saturday night. I mean, I had to have an extra pot of coffee to stay up for it because it, it didn't kick off until 11 p.m. at night. But it, it was disappointing. But the one thing for Navy, as you can say, is it did nothing in terms of affecting the American Athletic Conference uh, championship race. It did nothing in terms of affecting their uh, goal to win the Commander-in-Chief trophy. And that's what it's all about is the Commander-in-Chief trophy at Navy, at Army, and at Air Force. That is what it's about, the CIC trophy. It damaged none of that. But they're going to have to get over it, number one, really quickly, and number two, against a Memphis team that, as you well know, is an alum. That is, is one of the most high-powered offenses in the country. And what you saw in just the first half alone of what the uh, the quarterback, what's um, Brody White. Yeah, Brady 22 White. 22 at 28. Correct. Correct. Brady White, 22 at 28, 358 yards, five touchdowns in one half. I mean, this is no joke. So, got to get over it quickly, but they're playing at home. Kenny Matalolo, Navy's head coach, he likes when you get to play, obviously, at home. That will be an advantage. I think right now, Navy is getting, believe, nine and a half is the last I saw. Yeah, and that's a lot of points, again, for a team coming back home. But as you mentioned, some travel fatigue, a very short yep. week. Memphis having to play on the road is a tougher team. What about you know, the triple option, Zach A.B., the quarterback? Can that give Memphis some problems? Can they wear Memphis down a little bit to their advantage? Navy, real quick oh. in this game? Well, yeah, so we talked about Memphis's offense. We haven't talked about Navy's offense yet. And Navy's offense, Malcolm Perry, the starting quarterback for the midshipmen, he made his fourth career start under center last week at Hawaii. If you remember, he was the slot back, uh, you know, pretty much all season last year. Zach Avey gets banged up. Uh, they decide to make a switch to kind of jumpstart the offense with a with Zach Avey hurting last year against uh, SMU when they came to a Navy Marine Corps. Uh, Malcolm Perry, I mean, he thrives and he thrived in that role. 43 to 40 Navy wins. He rushes for 282 yards at quarterback in his first ever college start, TJ. I mean, he, he had a solid outing on Saturday, 108 yards and a touchdown. Really never had a chance. He still averaged six and a half yards per carry against Hawaii. Never really had the chance to, to get the ground game going because you had to throw the football. But Malcolm Perry is one of the most electric playmakers, especially at quarterback in the country when you're running with the football. And you remember, he's also the guy two years ago, when Navy had both starting quarterbacks banged up in the season opener, Malcolm Perry was just a plebe at Navy at the time. They had to pull him out of the brigade 
during the game because he was in dress whites cheering on his team as he was a JV quarterback. They had to bring him to the sideline and get him a uniform at halftime. And now he's thriving <laughs> as the starting quarterback for the midshipmen. But Zach Aby, you know, again, he is the guy that is going to – they moved him to wide receiver, but he's still been taking snaps at quarterback during the week. They're going to use him in short yardage situations. We knew there were going to be packages for him in the red zone last week. I mean, he carried the ball five times, TJ, for 17 yards. Doesn't sound like much. Four of those five carries for Zach Aby last week were touchdowns. He scored yeah. touchdowns on his first three carries of the game. You can't forget about him. He's the big, bruising local runner from Pasadena, Maryland. He's not to be forgotten. Navy can do a lot of different things with a lot of different looks. And Garrett Lewis, who basically had to come in, who is the third-string quarterback, is the better passer of the three. So they've got packages for him. There are a lot of things that Navy does offensively that, yes, they can wear Memphis down. Navy's won two out of the three all-time games against Memphis. And those last three games have come in the last three seasons as members of the American Athletic Conference. Last year was a, a three-point game, and Navy turned the ball over five times and still almost and really should have won that football game. But I certainly, if I'm if you're picking in this game, I'm taking Navy in the points all day. How about that? So they're getting seven in that one. And again, Air Force getting nine and a half in the game at Boca Raton against FAU, against Florida Atlantic and Lane Kiffin's club. Again, just another moment or two here with Price Atkinson. The thing I love about your podcast, about what you do with Yards and Stripes, is you have great well, you get you have great interviews and you've got a great one this week. Give the audience a quick tease on who you're talking to and what his story is so they can hear more about it on your show. Yeah, so this week was a little bit of a departure from what we usually do. And feature guest interview you, every week is typically somebody involved with one of the three academies, whether it be a beat writer, play-by-play voice, a former coach, a current player, a former player. This week was a little bit different. And when I was approached to uh, by the Travis Manion Foundation, who we do the Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment at the end of every episode where we honor uh, a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country – and then the legacy of service that their family is continuing to honor uh, their loved one who who they have lost. The Travis Manion Foundation approached me about uh, Rob Jones, and, and some people have heard his story. Rob Jones is a Marine, did not play college football, actually went to Virginia Tech, uh, enlisted in the United States Army, goes overseas and is on his second tour of duty in the Middle East. And he was his Humvee that he was in hit an IED. He lost both legs uh, in the Middle East in 2010. He rehabbed uh, two prosthetic limbs. Um, He ended up going to the 2012 Paralympics in rowing, won a bronze medal, competed at the 2013 World Championships, finished fourth. And here's where it gets better. You know, he's a double amputee. He's a Marine. He's a hero. But he didn't stop there, TJ. He came home, and he's doing a lot of things to raise awareness for veterans' issues uh, around the country. One of the things he did several two, uh, two years ago, he biked from Bar Harbor, Maine, to Camp Pendleton, California, on a bicycle. Again, two prosthetic <laughs> legs, biked across the country, took over 180 days, raised, raised over $125,000 for veterans' charities. And then last year, you want to talk about an Ironman, ran 31 marathons. In 31 days, oh. in 31 different cities, started in London, England, and finished the last one in Washington, D.C. And right now, this starting this week and this month, the 9-11 Heroes runs that the Travis Manion Foundation is putting on across the country 
He's participating in, I believe, nine runs uh, over the course of the month, nine 5Ks, and Comcast and uh, NBC Universal sponsoring each one of those. For every one he does, I believe they contribute $5,000 to uh, a charity. So just, ama- just an amazing story of inspiration. Rob Jones, who you can follow on Twitter, Rob Jones Journey. Check him out online, Rob Jones Journey. Dot com. Just an amazing, and in, whether you're an athlete, football player, it doesn't matter who you are in any walk of life. His story is so inspirational. It was just an honor. It was just incredible to talk to somebody like that. Well, you want to hear more of the specifics about, think about that now, running a marathon or a 10K or a 5K in consecutive days or five of them in a row. But to do 31 of any of that in 31 days in 31 different cities is crazy. So I want to hear more of that on uh, on Yards and Stripes for sure. Um, and you do, again, a great job of featuring different Different athletes, past and present, from the service academies and even military uh, personnel and different connections to service academy football. So yep. uh, that's why I wanted to get you on here on, on Three Dog Thursday. I know you have great love for college football. We're ready for all of it to resume for this second full weekend of college football. Again, plug one more time where they can find your show, find your podcast, and what you're all about, please. Yeah, I appreciate it. You, again, you are just tickled with kindness, and I'm tickled to be on with you. And I just, you know, thank you for the plug at yardsandstripes.com online, uh, at Yards and Stripes on Twitter. Give us a follow there on Facebook, Yards and Stripes as well. Um, you know, V Sporto, you can check us out every week, vsporto.com, our uh, broadcast provider this season. Just, you know, myriad of ways you can listen. And, uh, you know, just look, hey, thank you for having me and be able to talk about Service Academy football because. Last year it was a fantastic season, and we're already off to another good one right now. Well, we'll see if Air Force has something for Florida Atlantic as a doggy, and will Navy as the home underdog, as the home pooch, come through against my Memphis Tigers? I hope not, because I'm an alum, but we'll see what happens in, in that matchup. Listen, I pledge to you that we will talk again later in the year on Three Dog Thursday. It won't be long before you and I are talking college football playoff and college football playoff podcast. It'll crank up in October. Then we know that things are cranking up uh, big time and and ramping up towards the college football postseason big time when that show comes around. Price, thank you for the time here on Three Dog Thursday. I appreciate it. Always love talking doggies with you, babe. Appreciate you having me. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We are back in once more with senior handicapper and writer for VegasInsider.com. Does a great job. He's Kevin Rogers. He is back with me. It is year number four of Three Dog Thursday, and it is our first weekend of NFL football. We're ready to make some predictions, some uh, some comments. We say this all the time on this show for those that are new to the show, whether you're hearing us on RadioInfluence.com or subscribing through uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, however you found the show. Again, thank you for uh, for finding us and subscribe to the show on those outlets from iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn. You can subscribe to this program. That you may be hearing us and you may already know what happened in a certain game. If we make a Thursday night pick or you may be hearing us on Sunday and the Saturday college footballs happen. 
So right off the bat, the Eagles are the defending world champions off of that victory in February in the Super Bowl over the New England Patriots. As we are talking uh, with the show rolling out on Three Dog Thursday, the Eagles are opening up at Lincoln Financial Field against the Atlanta Falcons. As the world champs, they'll unveil the banner. They've been given their championship rings, and now playoff rematch from their game with the Falcons in the postseason last year that they won. Eagles have had a bit of a tumultuous couple of weeks with Carson Wentz being cleared to come back to practice, but not fully healthy as of yet. Nick Foles has battled a little bit of an elbow injury. And so now the Eagles get ready to play this game with the Falcons, the opening game. And and I know you in particular have raised an eyebrow at Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl winning coach, Kevin Rogers. You know, it's like they say, life comes at you fast, and they win a Super Bowl in February, they have a parade, life is good, and all of a sudden now, Doug Peterson's getting chippy with the media, he's trying to pull his best, uh, his best uh, Nick Saban impersonation, let me get upset and just throw a, a temper tantrum. I mean, look, if Carson Wentz isn't ready, don't rush him back. There is no reason to. Nick Foles, I don't know if we're going to see the Nick Foles that bounce from team to team, or the one that led them to the Super Bowl, and eventually he won the MVP of that Super Bowl. We don't know which one we're going to get, but there's no reason to rush back Wentz. I just find it funny, you know, unless you're a Belichick or maybe like a Mike Tomlin or Mike McCarthy or Sean Payton, that, like, you win a Super Bowl and then things don't go well, you become completely unglued, you know? And, like, you haven't even played your first game yet. Like, calm down, you know? And, and he was kind of losing it a little bit, losing some patience. But, uh, yeah, well, I, I'd be very curious to see what the Eagles do this season, you know, I don't want to call it a quarterback controversy, but Wentz was rolling. He was the guy he got hurt. It's too bad. But also, he's so young, there's no reason to rush him back out there. I mean, if you sat him out even six games to get him right, then do that. Like, don't don't have this guy now have a recurring knee injury just because you're trying to rush him back. You don't have to do that. Well, and the other part of this is, and again, this is an unknown here, they're playing the game on on Thursday night. You may already know this. If Foles struggles or if Foles is gimpy or whatever the case, would Wentz play in this game? Would they go ahead and stick him out there? Don't know. Don't know how that will play out. And oh, by the way, I'm affiliated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. So after this weekend, the Eagles come to Tampa to play the Bucs in Tampa Bay in, in week two. Would Wentz potentially be the quarterback for the second game when he couldn't play in the first game after they've had 10 more days to evaluate him, check him out, get him ready, get him into game shape. Who knows? And maybe, as you say, maybe it's a thing where they work him in in week three or week four. I mean, the best case scenario for Philadelphia is they win the opening game, maybe win the first couple of games, and then there's not really a pressure to play Carson Wentz until he's fully healthy, etc. So, Let's uh, let's wait and see what the Eagles elect to do. All right, so we have a lot of games in front of us for the opening week of the NFL season. You have an underdog to start us off. Where do you want to go and why for Three Dog Thursday purposes, Kevin Rogers? I'm going to begin with the San Francisco 49ers. They're at Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Now, there are a lot of people that are on this Vikings bandwagon, and rightfully so, that they were in the NFC Championship last year. Maybe they shouldn't have been. Probably should have lost the Saints in the previous round, but, you know, we saw what happened, and they ended up uh, losing to Philadelphia on the road. Maybe they're ready to take that next step, that now they have that franchise quarterback in Kirk Cousins, who's never even won a playoff game in Washington, but regardless, a step up from Case Keenum. So, now they're playing San Francisco, and the 49ers, who were a 1-10 team last year, they get Jimmy Garoppolo from the Patriots, and they win their final five games. 
you know, some may say, oh, it doesn't matter. They won their last five. They still finished six and ten. There's a couple things here. Number one, that they covered four of the five games. The one game they didn't cover, they were a favor against Tennessee. All right. Number two, if you look back what the 49ers did last year pre-Garoppolo, that, yes, they had a 1-10 in 10 start. They had four consecutive losses by three points or less. They lost a few of those in overtime, and they were that close to maybe being an 8-8 eight eight team. That's not great. They're not a playoff team, but at least it doesn't look as bad as starting 1-10. and 10. And who knows what could have happened if Garoppolo got traded earlier, whatever. It does make a difference. They still finished on a high note, and they knew going into this season, all right, this NFC West, the Rams are the team to beat. Arizona's rebuilding. The Seahawks have some issues. They're kind of rebuilding. And then there's the 49ers. So maybe the 49ers can sneak in and be that second team in the division. And I just think that Minnesota is getting so much pub that they're forgetting about San Francisco. I think the 49ers can hang in this game. I really do. Well, and there's going to be a theme here because I'm going to talk about it with with the team that I'm going against on Three Dog Thursday. Do you have a letdown from one year to the next? You kind of alluded to it with the Eagles. Does it happen for Minnesota? Remember, it's a different quarterback now with Kirk Cousins and that fat contract, that fat guaranteed $84 million guaranteed uh, to come to Minnesota. Very similar to Kevin Rogers' deals at VegasInsider.com to get $84 million guaranteed. Uh, and, and, And maybe they have a little bit of a letdown this year. Dalvin Cook will be back off the ACL injury. Uh, Garoppolo, remember, remember a year ago when they traded for him, they were talking about they may not play him. They were, they were such a bad team that they were maybe just going to pack it in. They end up having to play him because I think it was C.J. Beathard that was the quarterback who was bad. He got hurt. They were forced to play Garoppolo. They won those games at the end. Now they have all the optimism in San Francisco. Very interesting pick for you with 49ers against Vikings. I'm going to go along those same lines with the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to New York to take on the Giants. And in this instance, I like the New York Giants. Jacksonville, kind of the same thing. Look, take nothing away from the turnaround that they had. You, they, they deserve everything that they got. They won 10 games. They ended up winning the division um, a year ago and go into the playoffs and win a couple of games. And they duked it out with New England and were actually leading the AFC Championship game into the fourth quarter, into the final five, six minutes of the game. Great season for them. Fantastic turnaround season. Kevin, I just wonder if they're going to have a bit of a letdown in 2017. I'm not saying they're going to be a three- or four-win team. Their defense is too good. Blake Bortles is still shaky at quarterback. They've got an outstanding running back, but I just I wonder if they don't come back down to earth somewhat and maybe they're a seven- or eight-win team instead of a ten-win division-winning team. They they benefited from playing some bad. They played Houston both times without Deshaun Watson. They played Indianapolis both games without Andrew Luck. Terrible because Luck was out for the year. They played Cleveland last year at Cleveland. Terrible. They benefited some from the schedule and how it helped them. Eli and the Giants at home, new coaching staff, fresh start, kind of addition by subtraction to get rid of Ben McAdoo, Saquon Barkley, the draft pick. I like the Giants in the home opener here with Jacksonville. Do you feel me a little bit that Jacksonville may have a little bit of a letdown in 2018, Kevin? I can see that. You know, I was going to allude to earlier that, you know, the Eagles, the Vikings, even the Rams, that those are teams that had such an uptick last year. You can see them taking a step back where Jacksonville's probably in that position that they were so close to making it to the Super Bowl that they still don't have great quarterback play. You know, they're good defensively, but they still don't have the quarterback. 
And, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they take a step back, especially now this AFC South where Deshaun Watson's back in Houston. Andrew Luck is back with the Colts. We'll see how healthy he is. And Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. I mean, you think about it, they have the fourth-best quarterback in the division, it seems like, Jacksonville. And I don't know how many teams are going to win a division when you have the fourth-best quarterback. Well, we'll find out. Again, the Jags opening in the Big Apple. That's an early Sunday game. It is part of Three Dog Thursday as we're making some pro football predictions as we go along here. Um, Again, we're having a lot of different fun uh, with this. By the way, we should mention another sponsor to the show is MyBookie, MyBookie.ag. you got to check them out at MyBookie if you are looking uh, to bet. And, and, and look, guys, I mean, uh, wherever you are, when we're talking about these spreads and having fun with Three Dog Thursday, there's a couple of different things uh, that you need to be aware of with my bookie. They have live in-game betting. They have a bunch of different perks. If you're a fantasy guy, you can bet the over-under on fantasy points for a player every week. And you've got the opportunity to get paid and get paid quickly. And my bookie's even got a special offer for our listeners here on Three Dog Thursday. Enter the promo code three dog that's the number three and dog three dog and you get a special offer where my bookie is going to match you dollar for dollar on your initial deposit so again put that deposit down use the promo code three dog and they're going to match you dollar for dollar when creating that account online and get your bonus again go to my bookie mybookie.ag you win they pay Take advantage of it right now. You get that opportunity again with the promo code 3DOG to have them match you dollar for dollar if you sign up with my bookie for this weekend. Again, a proud sponsor of 3DOG Thursday. Um, all right, so Kevin, uh, elsewhere in the NFL, where do you want to go? You've given us two underdog picks as of yet, so one more pro pick. What else do you like, sir? In one of the late games on Sunday, the Dallas Cowboys heading to Carolina take on the Panthers, and the Cowboys are getting three against Carolina. You know, you look at this Cowboy team, and I'm so sick of hearing about Des Bryant, you know, uh, and, and he's not there anymore. But, uh, you know, for all, all the headlines that the Cowboys make, this is a team that since Dak Prescott's taken over a quarterback, do you know what the record is on the road with him? Not great. I'm taking it. 12 and 4. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. 12 and 4. 6 and 2 his first year, 6 and 2 his second year on the road. They actually were a better road team than home team last year. They blew games against the Rams and the Packers at home. And I just think that Dallas kind of flies under the radar because if they're not 13 and 3, they're terrible. Like, that's the way I think that they're, that they're looked at. And Ezekiel Elliott is back for them. And I just look at them as a team that is so undervalued at times that even though they're a big public team, that I think they get forgotten. And Carolina, who's always a good home team, you know, the Panthers, I don't know, there's something about them where, you know, at times at home they'll step up. They had, I believe, um, out of their six uh, home wins last year, I think five of them, either five or six of them were by a touchdown or less. And I understand a touchdown covers this for Carolina, but they didn't have major blowouts. It was only beating the Dolphins on a Monday night that they killed them. Every other game was very, very close at home. But I just think that Dallas, you know, they normally get off to good starts. I think that here, you know, I I think they'll pick up the win. I, I really believe they will against Carolina. Well, and remember, Ezekiel Elliott was suspended late in the year last year, too, that also contributed the six-game suspension. He had the court fight, and then then eventually the suspension took place after November, and they went right down the tubes 
uh, after that. So something to make mention of with the Cowboys uh, as they travel there on the road against Carolina. There are a couple of other games. We don't, we don't have an opinion in either uh, of these. New England playing Houston. Deshaun Watson back. J.J. Watt is back. The game at New England. No Julian Edelman because of the PED suspension for four games. New England in the home opener as the AFC champs. We'll have an eyeball uh, on that game. A um, couple of other ones, too, include the Sunday night game, Green Bay and Chicago. A lot of optimism in Chicago with Khalil Mack coming over in the trade. What's your what's your reaction to that, that Oakland let him go, uh, basically traded him away, did not re-sign him? How surprised are you? What about it for the Bears, Kevin, with, with Mack showing up now in Chicago? Well, I think it's obviously an upgrade for the Bears, but I just really wonder with John Gruden, this had to be a personality situation that Gruden seemed like, and again, I know he's a coach and he runs things there. He got paid a ton of money to come back. It's just, I don't like when, when coaches say, you know, you know, this player, you know, you know, we wish him well and all those other things like treat him like an ex-wife, you know, like, you know who he is. Like, you know, you know, you, you could say things like, Oh, you know, Khalil's a really good player, but it's the best thing for organization and blah. But I just felt like it was very like cold and, there's something there where there had to be a personality conflict. I don't know what it is, but that had to be the case on why they made the deal. And I'm sure it'll work out for Chicago in the end, but there's just, there's something that's, that's not being said with this. I got to trade him after all this time and not talk to him for like six months. What? Come on, man. You're the, this is him and Derek Carr. You're two most important players. You're not talking to him for six months. Like there's something there. There, there is a theory of mine. And again, full disclosure, I'm, I'm associated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. I was the host of John Gruden's radio show for five seasons uh, in Tampa Bay. So I have a relationship with him. Uh, I can tell you that in terms of offensive players versus, Versus defensive players, there's no question he values offensive players way more than defensive players. When you saw the quote, everybody saw the quote that follows this situation or follows the uh, the Raiders and the NFL. When he said this defense was bad with Khalil Mack a year ago, that was kind of a warning shot, which was. Uh, you know, we can live without you if we were bad last year having to pay that kind of money. And I'll tell you another thing that they that they looked at. The Bears have now soaked in about twenty five million guaranteed for the next about three plus years, maybe even four years on their salary cap. And I don't think John Gruden was ready to do that for a defensive player. Had this, Would you not agree with me? Had this deal not been done with Derek Carr last year, and Derek Carr was sitting there facing the possibility of free agency if they didn't give him $100 million, didn't give him $40, $50, 60000000 million guaranteed, do you think there would have been any hesitation by John Gruden to get that deal done, Kevin? Oh, he would have definitely found a way to get it done to lock up Derek Carr because you see him with all these when he did the stuff at ESPN with the, the draft, right. he's talking to quarterbacks. He's, right. he's not talking to linebackers. Very true. He's Very... not diagramming plays on the chalkboard linebackers. He's <laughs> doing quarterbacks. <laughs> All right, so we'll see how Khalil Mack does uh, for this matchup on uh, on Sunday night against the uh, the Packers and again the Raiders will take on the Rams the Raiders hosting the Rams Monday night football doubleheader the first game is Sam Darnold and the Jets against the Lions the Raiders and the Rams are the second game on Monday night football in Oakland with John Gruden's return to Oakland for two years anyway before they moved to Las Vegas We'll see what uh, we'll see what transpires with all of that. So we've got all of the uh, the NFL and all of the college football together this week in one pot. They can find all the information they need, not just from this show, Three Dog Thursday, but also from VegasInsider.com. Correct, sir? 
Absolutely. And now we're, we're, we're full-fledged into it. Second week of college football uh, coming up this week. No Thursday night game. Nothing going opposite the Falcons-Eagles. You have a game Friday and then going into a busy Saturday with a ton of games like we talked about. Our Big Ten report looks at a lot of those games, especially some that we've talked about as well, SEC, and highlighting some of the big games. And then the NFL, we will take a look at all the games for Sunday, the, the doubleheader on Monday night, plenty of pieces, plenty of predictions, plenty of free odds. All of that is there. You can check us out at VegasInsider.com or on our Twitter feed at TwitVI. Also follow Kevin Rogers at VI Rogers as well. He's always a fun follow. You can follow this show at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter, also online at ThreeDogThursday.com. Again, Kevin goes with one college underdog, and depending on when you're listening to the show, you may already know how these underdogs have done or not. Kevin goes with the Arizona Wildcats getting the four points against the Houston Cougars. In college football, I go with USF. Uh, South Florida taking on Georgia Tech in an early game Saturday, and then Arizona State in the Saturday night game against Michigan State at home at Sun Devil Stadium. Kevin likes the 49ers on Sunday in an early game with the Vikings, and then the Cowboys at Carolina getting three points in a late game. I'll go New York Giants, the New York football Giants at home with Jacksonville in an early game on Sunday for my other underdog. Kevin, best of luck with uh, with the underdogs. We appreciate the time here, sir. Sounds good, and we'll do it again next week. There we go. We were each two for three this past week. My thanks to Kevin Rogers. My thanks also to the Mike North, the Chicago sports radio and television legend. Love his insight. Price Atkinson also with me from Yards and Stripes with the Service Academies with the football as our special guest. Kevin will be back with me next week as well. Enjoy the underdogs. Enjoy all the football, including the first weekend of the NFL. You've been listening to Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in, or just find us through RadioInfluence.com. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It's Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Rush the Field quick fix on Radio Influence. I go back and to study why. Why is the guy that built a, a Super Bowl team and coach the Super Bowl team, and build a power at Stanford where it's very difficult. This guy didn't get dumped. So what's the issue? And I've really studied it hard, and I've come to the conclusion that it, it is really about how he's been unable on offense to, through proper hiring, and, and that's led to poor evaluation on offensive for offensive players in recruiting and the development of those players. And the instability on that side of the ball has created a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion as to what they want to do and how they want to do it. Pure and simple, it, there's no offensive identity. Mm-hmm. They, there's no rhythm to what they're doing. Um, their offensive line is, was atrocious. Notre Dame dominated them. Um, they didn't, early in this game, they didn't make plays on the defensive side. Now, I got to tell you, this defense is loaded with talent, and they have been well coached. They did not play well Saturday night, and I can't put my finger on why in the early stages. Now, as the game went along, you see the in, the defense is constantly on the field. Well, that's a recipe for disaster, yeah. and that's going to have some problems. So it's a bad wa- loss. They looked out of sync. They were outcoached. This is the 17th straight road loss versus a ranked team for Michigan. 17 straight. Wow. So, they're, yes, they were completely outcoached. Um, I don't think that, that Shea Patterson was awful. I think that he struggled some, but the biggest struggle was the protection issues 
The defense gave up big plays. Notre Dame's defense didn't give up any big plays. Uh, Notre Dame played well in third downs. Michigan couldn't. That was the issue. Rush the Field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.